This recording is intended to be used as an educational resource for healthcare providers. It is in no way a substitute for the independent decision making and judgment of a qualified healthcare professional. It should not be used to make a diagnosis or to overrule the advice of a qualified healthcare provider, nor should it be used to provide advice for emergency medical treatment. Mask Ventilation by Dr. Robert Pascucci. Introduction. Hi, my name is Bob Pascucci. I'm one of the ICU attending physicians here at Children's Hospital in Boston. I uh, thought we'd spend a little bit of time talking about opening up the airway in children, first in a baby and then later in an older child. Um, I'm going to not use this bag. This is the self-refilling Ambut style bag, but I think it's easier to demonstrate this with the standard Mapleson circuit, so that's what we're going to be using. Positioning an infant. Um, baby's a little bit different than the child in the sense that I always try to get a sniffing position, which as you recall is with the neck flexed and then extended on top of that. Babies sort of automatically go into a sniffing position because they have a big occiput. So really if you just lay them down, they're automatically close to where you want to be. I've got that now what I want to try to do is get anything that's obstructing the airway out of the way and typically that's going to be the tongue. Tongue is attached to the jaw. If I can move the jaw forward then I'm going to be able to unobstruct the airway and to me the easiest way to do that is just to put your fingers at the angle of the jaw here and really push straight forward. If you can see that it's just moving the jaw forward but since the jaw and the tongue are attached that's going to move the tongue out of the way. And that really is the motion I'm trying to get and I will typically use two hands to do this so I'll go like this right? Now if I want to maintain that airway, assuming that that's opened up the airway and the baby is breathing better now, then what I want to do is be able to get a mask on. I will take this finger that I'm using here, keep the dislocation of the jaw, slide that around like that, come around with the mask, put that on top, put my thumb on top of the mask, and now I'm really pulling up with this finger and pushing down with this thumb and sort of clamping the airway together like that and that works pretty well and I would think most of the time you'd be able to unobstruct the child's airway by doing that. Let's do that one more time. Dislocate the jaw forward or sublux the jaw forward, put my finger underneath there to maintain that, put the mask on top, put my thumb on top of the mask and go from there. Point of clarification. I think it is important to realize that I'm pushing up with this finger and not in because I don't want to compress the baby's trachea or push down on the trachea. I'm really exerting all of my force in this direction and this force is going in that direction. I'm pulling really, be I'm sort of pulling between those two things to get the mask seal that I want. Now if I wanted to use a bag to be able to augment the baby's ventilation, I can do that. I've got some oxygen flowing, get a good seal. I can ventilate the baby mechanically if I have to do that. That's fine. Oral airway. If you're having difficulty maintaining the airway, sometimes it's useful to use either an oral airway or a nasal airway to help 
keep the tongue out of the way. The oral airway obviously goes in the mouth and pushes the tongue forward so that the tongue is caught in this position. The oral airway is what I will typically use in someone that's unconscious, so in the operating room setting or in the case where the patient is really uh, not going to respond to the airway itself because this can tend to be quite stimulating and can cause some gagging and stuff. Uh, to size these, I often just look at them and, and figure what's going to fit. If you want to be a little bit more accurate, either size it from the mouth to the tragus or just the mouth to the chin and get some idea what, what's going to fit in this particular baby. I tend to use a uh, tongue blade to put these in, get the tongue out of the way, slide this in, rotate if I need to, and then get that down around the tongue. And then the tongue is just being pushed forward and out of the way. Again, I'm trying to push the tongue forward. Now I might do the same move of pulling this up, getting my finger there, coming down with the mask. And if I haven't been able to maintain the airway without uh, using the adjunct, I might be able to do it a little bit better with this. Again, this is only from someone who is unconscious or is not responsive because the awake patient is going to tend to gag and not really tolerate the oral airway very well at all. Nasal airway. If you decide you want to use a nasal airway, and those are often better tolerated in someone that is partly awake, uh, you can get an estimate of the size by lying the airway down, nose to the tragus or nose to the chin. Nasal airways come in a variety of sizes and lengths. They always tend to look a little bit bigger than you really think is going to be able to fit in. I tend to put these in just like an NG tube. I've got this particular one greased up a little bit. So we just slide that in. Again, it's going to do the same thing the oral airway does. It's going to get behind the tongue and push the tongue forward a little bit. And now again, I can pull up, get my finger under here, and get a nice seal and be able to ventilate the patient with that. And you can use these if you're bagging someone. You can also leave a nasal airway in someone who's just a little bit too sleepy to maintain their airway, um, and that it'll just help them do that. One nice thing about these is that you can actually adjust the length. This little collar will move up and down so that if I need something shorter, I can set it up like that. I can also use this to tape it into the baby's face so that if, again, I'm going to leave the baby and, and their airway is better now that I've put this in, I can just tape this in position and then just give them some plain oxygen from mask instead of having to bag them. Positioning an older child. Let's talk a little bit about older kids uh, because I think in this size uh, patient you do have to think more about getting into sniffing position uh, before you start to ventilate the patient. And the reason to get in sniffing position is really what you're trying to do is align your eye and the patient's mouth and the trachea as much as possible in a straight line so that when you go to intubate the patient, it'll be an easier task. Um, how do you get in sniffing position? Well, a baby with the large occiput sort of automatically goes into sniffing position. As soon as you lay them down, their neck flexes, and then all you have to do is extend the head, and you're in sniffing position. With an older child, that doesn't happen because the occiput isn't that big. So when I lay him down, his neck is not necessarily flexed. And what I really want to do is bring the neck up and then do extension on top of that. Uh, the easiest thing to do is to use something. It could be a folded towel, could be a blanket, could be a pillow, and get that underneath the patient's head. So I'm going to flex the neck, slide this underneath. Now I've got the neck flexion that I want. 
And then I can come along and achieve extension just by doing this. And I've lined up my eye and the patient's mouth and the trachea as best I can so that if I were to go and try to intubate this patient, I'd have a little bit of an easier time of it. So again, to me the steps are flex the neck, put something underneath to maintain that if you need to, extend on top of that, and then you can get your airway as you might in any other patient by bringing the chin forward, coming around with your finger to pull that up, putting the mask on top, and putting your thumb down. And now I've got an airway that I could ventilate this patient if I needed to do so. Several things can happen. One is this may not be enough to actually open up the patient's airway, and you may decide that you have to use an airway adjunct such as an oral airway or a nasal airway. Uh, I'm just going to show you the oral airway here. Again, sizing from the mouth to the tragus. That looks about right in this child. Again, I tend to use a tongue blade, get the tongue out of the mouth, come in with the oral airway and slide it in. And in this particular mannequin, it goes in very easily. Now I'm going to establish my airway the same way I did. Pull up, mask, push down, and now I've got an airway that I can ventilate the patient with. If the oral airway is something that the patient is gagging on, you can certainly use a nasal airway instead. Failure to obtain tight seal by mask. Now I can get a fairly good seal on this particular baby. My bag is blowing up well and I can ventilate fairly effectively. Sometimes though when you try to provide positive pressure, you're going to have a leak. A leak around the mask where you're not really going to be able to effectively ventilate the patient. And there are some tricks to get around that. One is just to reposition yourself because a lot of times even a small change in the angle going from there to there or tilting this way will be enough to get the seal that you want. Pulling up a little bit more vigorously with your finger, pushing down a little bit more vigorously with your thumb, uh, and I can get a seal on most children. I've got a much better seal on this baby now than I did before just because I'm pushing harder because I've actually angled a little bit more to the left. Sometimes it's just the mask size that's the issue. Uh, and you can go larger or smaller. I found by experience that if I'm in trouble and I can't get a good seal, I usually do better personally by going to a smaller mask than to a larger mask. And I don't know why that is. It just seems to work for me that I can get a better seal with the smaller mask, even though the mask might look, hey, way too small for this particular patient. In fact, sometimes you can be more effective with this. And it's just that it it's fits more tightly to the, uh, to the anatomy of the patient's face. If you have a particularly difficult airway, you may need to try a few more tricks. Uh, one that I've, someone taught me once, and it seems to work for me, is if I'm having trouble here, and I really can't get an adequate seal and I can't ventilate the patient, just put my chin down here and push down with my, finger, with my chin and that increases the pressure and allows me to watch the patient's chest. Sometimes that works and I can ventilate somebody that I wasn't able to before. Sometimes you'll have a leak around the mask that no matter how much you try and change the angle you can't get rid of. In that case, if you can identify where the leak is, you can use a wet sponge Typically, the leak is right around the angle of the mouth. Once I've got the sponge on, then get the mask on top. Now I can get a little bit better seal and maybe ventilate where I wasn't able to do so before. And finally, 
Don't forget that you've got assistance around. Sam, come on over. Let's try this. You can use two people to bag, in which case one person's job is really just to get the mask on and to get a good seal. Now I can use both hands. I've got my fingers down around the angle of the jaw. I'm pulling up there. I'm pushing down with both thumbs. I might even come around and do this. But I'm concentrating on getting a good seal, and Sam is able to then concentrate on ventilating the patient. That concludes our video on mask ventilation. Thank you. This recording is a production of Open Pediatrics, a free and open access resource for pediatric clinicians worldwide. For more pediatric care materials or to join our global community, please visit our website at openpediatrics.org. Thank you.